What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I was joined by a very special guest. I had Cheryl Nasso on the podcast. She is a CrossFit Games athlete. And what I love about her story is, well, first of all, it's very similar to mine, but also she went from eating disorder to CrossFit Games athlete. And there's so much in between that journey that is just incredibly powerful and important conversation uh, that needs to be discussed more often when it comes to controlling our food and and how it shows up in our lives and where it all stems from, just the different uh, behavioral tendencies that we have around food. As you guys know, this is a topic that I am super passionate about. So it was amazing to have my good friend Cheryl join the podcast and talk about her perspective and her journey of going from eating disorder to CrossFit Games athlete and everything in between. So without further ado, I'm just going to let you jump in and listen to the conversation. But before we get to that, I have to mention, as always, if you are enjoying the show, please, it would mean the world to me if you can share it on your Instagram stories to help spread the word. Just take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and tag Cheryl at Cheryl Nasso. That's C-H-E-R-Y-L-N-A-S-S-O. And enjoy the episode. All right, guys. I am joined today by a very special guest. I have CrossFit Games athlete and now good friend of mine, Cheryl Nasso. Thanks so much for joining the show. I'm super excited to be here. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. So before we hit record, we were just kind of talking about how we have like very similar stories and just like the journey that we've both been through. So I think that that would be a good place to start is if you want to just um, start with like the the origin story and how you got into fitness, what the journey's been like for you. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, I feel like there's so many chapters and you feel like one story almost leads into another story and another story. And I think that's just part of the evolution of growing up. Um, so my story obviously is, uh, well, I'm now a CrossFit games athlete, but you know, as a, as a young adult, as a kid, I was a soccer player. I did soccer through high school, uh, through middle school. Um, I'd always wanted to be an athlete, but didn't really know what that was going to look like. I really wanted to get into gymnastics and stuff like that. Uh, but it was so expensive. So my mom, you know, put me in soccer. Uh, I was never really like, I want to say I was an athlete, but I never really looked fit. Uh, went to college, 19 years old, um, and was playing soccer at college, but I also was doing other things, drinking too much, eating too much, put on weight and was like, man, like, I'm really not like the way that I feel. I was getting depressed, um, had an abusive relationship. There was just a bunch of things going on around that time. And I just woke up one morning and I'm like, you know what? Like, it's time for me to do something about my life. Like I know that this is not who I am. And so I decided, honestly, at that point, I started doing a freaking home workout program, just started like putting a DVD in every day. And I'm like, I'm gonna start working out. (laughs) And and that's kind of how I started getting into fitness. And at that point I thought I wanted to go to school to be a veterinarian. And it ended up being that I got really into the fitness aspect of things. And people were asking me questions and how are you losing weight and this and that. Um, and that became to kind of became my segue into like, I think I want to do into like go into exercise science, learn more about nutrition and stuff like that. That's kind of how things kind of started in the beginning. Uh, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. How did the, so like, you know, I, a lot of people have that same experience where when you're making progress, then other people want to know how you're doing it. Where did you kind of find your, uh, I guess like your passion for the nutrition side of things. Uh, and then how did that pivot into like being a CrossFit games athlete? So 
Uh, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, for me, it was like I started as a personal trainer, but then I realized how many people were still struggling with nutrition, myself included. Even when I was training others, I was still trying to figure my stuff out with the nutrition. And that was like the big missing piece. And I was like, all right, this has to be what I focus on. Um, how did you get involved into the nutrition side of things? And then how did CrossFit come into your life? Okay. So this is, this is crazy. This is going to be a, hopefully I'm not going to make this too long is because there's so many things to unpack there is, um, so find fitness, super healthy Avenue. That Avenue became a mechanism for numbing myself. Um, so that same year that I, I lost this 15, 20 pounds and I was feeling good about myself. Um, I was going through a, a breakup with an abusive boyfriend. I lost my grandmother, uh, also, we had three massive hurricanes come through. We were like in a very stressful environmental, just my life was in complete chaos. I came home and ended up numbing myself between training too much in the gym and trying to burn calories and eating too little. Um, I had learned very early on with my fitness journey that when I plateaued, because the nutrition was there, I'm sorry, when I plateaued that the fitness needed to be matched with the nutrition. So I was like, oh, I'm going to start dialing in my calories. In that time, I started learning, well, if I keep dropping calories, my weight keeps going down. And that became this obsessive thing that I started to control. And it honestly had nothing to do with aesthetics. I had, it was not even about how I looked. It was just this thing in my life that I could control. All of a sudden I had this control over my nutrition and, and I could watch the weight go down and, and nobody else knew I was doing it because I hid myself behind clothes. And, and at that point, I didn't even know that I had a problem. I was like, I, I felt something was off, but it was just like, what's, what's wrong? Like, I'm, I feel fine. And I started researching a little bit about things. I started researching about eating disorders and I'm like, do I have an eating disorder? Like I would talk to my dad about it. And, you know, he's like, well, why don't you just eat more? I'm like, cause I don't want to. And I, I just was like in this like stubborn headed mindset and I think what was different about me, uh, that was different about a lot of the other girls that struggle with this is I was really interested in fitness. I was really interested in nutrition and I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to understand like the buy-in for getting healthy for me in that aspect was like, let me understand how food works. Like, let me understand what's going on with my body. And, and that really was how I kind of got into the nutrition aspect of things is I, I honestly just like dove in head first to understanding nutrition and, and how it affected the body. Um, unfortunately, that took me a long time. I, I went through about five, six years of, of trying to figure out things. And I, and I ended up in an eating disorder facility. And, um, when I went there, I was like, I, I could go off on so many tangents here because I don't even know how I feel about eating disorder facilities because I go there and their mechanism for getting us healthy was eat these Oreos because you need to get over this fear of Oreos. And it wasn't like, well, maybe we should eating like healthy food at a normal time, but still be able to eat the Oreos if we want them. It was more so this weird relationship. And I got out of treatment and that's when I actually found CrossFit. And, um, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but CrossFit actually helped me let go of the control that I had over my food because it gave me something else to look forward to. And I started controlling other areas in my fitness and the nutrition had to math, max, math, match that. So 
lot of, a lot of stuff to unpack there, but that was kind of the, the way I kind of dove into the nutrition aspect of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's crazy how we like grasp onto something. And then, cause my story is so similar that I felt like it was the one area that I could control. And there's always this message of like, eat less, do more. And I noticed the same thing early on in my journey. It was like, well, if I can, if I can get by with 2000 calories, what, what happens when I drop it to 1600? And then what, what happens when I drop it to 1200? And then there's this like feedback loop of, oh, the scale's going down. That's a good thing. And well, you know, for me, I started ignoring all these red flags that were, that were popping up, you know, just the intense hunger, the moodiness, the cravings, low energy, not being able to sleep well. Um, I'm curious if there was anything that you started to notice during that process when you were in that restrictive dieting phase of like, your body was telling you that something might not be right, but you were just kind of set in that mindset. Anything that comes to mind from that time period? Yeah. Uh, depression and anxiety. People don't understand how related your food is to your mood, like food and mood. I, I, that, could have, that could have sold something right there, but, but it's true. Like I was up and down like all the time, the feedback was horrible. So, uh, and I'm going to be honest, women guys, I'm 35 years old. I have not had my period since I was 19. And that's me being honest. And I, I don't know that I'll ever get it back because I, I starved myself for five or six years and I ran myself into the ground. So yeah, I was getting a lot of, because I'm also athletic and I was still trying to do running and, and lifting and stuff like that. Stress fractures in my feet. Um, I would get edema. I would get, um, you know, like horrible sleep or entirely where I was just tired all the time. Um, just everything like my relationships. I, I also lost relationships. I, I listened to one of your podcasts. You talked about, I, I struggled with, you know, keeping friends because I was so stuck in this like loop of like, this is all that matters in my life. And this is the only thing that I care about. And it really wasn't the only thing that I cared about, but it was the one thing I had control over and everything else could have been crazy, but I'm going to do this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about how you crawled out of that hole. But before we do, you checked yourself into a eating disorder facility, felt like it was time to to get help. And you mentioned that it was kind of, you know, maybe not the, the most helpful treatment. Um, and it's funny because I actually uh, talked to somebody recently who had a very similar experience that was like, um, and I don't know if this was a eating disorder facility or a specific person that she was working with, but it was kind of the same situation where it was just like, you know, you're going to eat these foods just because, and she felt like it was not the most beneficial like assignment to do because there was really no, she didn't really understand the thought process behind it as to just like, okay, well, this is a food that may be a trigger food and now we're just going to force you to eat it. And so anyway, was there anything that you did take away from that experience that kind of helped you, um, you know, going into the facility, anything that you remember that was like, all right, at least I have this one takeaway that I can carry forward. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, one of the things body dysmorphia, like that's a real thing. We would do exercises where we would have to like draw our body. And I knew exactly what parts of my body that I hated and they did not look the way that they actually were because they, you know, we would do that. Uh, awareness as to what an eating disorder really is. You know, I think that for people that don't understand it, even myself, like I said, I was like, what's wrong with me is it's not just this. I want to be skinny. I want to look good in the mirror or, you know, that's not at all what it is. I, I 
I didn't even like to weigh myself at that point in my life. I really didn't. I would step on the scale randomly, like, oh, I'm down today. Awesome. Like I'd be happy about it, you know, but it was, it was more so this control thing that I had over my food and my nutrition and my exercise and, and this numbing mechanism. And, and I think it can be very much related to people in, in other addictive personalities, like alcoholism and things like that. That's why a lot of eating disorder treatment centers also follow some type of like a 12 step program or something like that. So I think the awareness as to how we use food in an emotional way, uh, whether it be lack of it or too much of it. And um, also just like the body image stuff and how we view ourselves and, and honestly the triggers for those things, you know? So, um, you know, that's a huge one too, is that knowing that sometimes when like other areas of my life are not feeling good, I will reflect that into how I look and how I feel about myself. And, and that parallel was huge for me. Yeah, definitely. I think that those are, are massive takeaways, the, the awareness, especially, and then understanding some of our own behavioral tendencies. A lot of times it stems from like when we were younger, uh, you know, just having like how food was used in, in the family environment. It could have been used for as punishment. It could have been used as praise. Like there's all these different, um, you know, mechanisms that food shows up and it's, it's multifaceted. It's not just, uh, you know, a means of, okay, I, I'm, I'm eating less because I want to be skinny. There's, there's many layers to it. So I think it's important that we talk about those things. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that it, even as I think about this now is when I think about what I was doing with myself, with my nutrition, and I know that there's like the orthorexia side of things is my family is not healthy, like complete polar opposite of me. I have an Italian family. Every, every, every time we meet up, it's like tons of food. They were all always overweight. I remember hearing from the time I was 15, 16 years old, just wait till you're 25 years old. You're going to be fat and you're going to be hypothyroid. You're going to have diabetes because at this, they all dealt with that stuff. And so I almost had this, like this thought in my head. I remembered being like, uh, uh-uh, that's not going to happen to me. I wanted to eat as healthy as possible because I did not want to become that. And I think that that's really what was so hard for me to get out of that feedback loop because the people that were giving me, you know, the advice, it was coming from my family. And I'm like, well, who are you? to tell me that I'm doing something wrong. And that was, that was the hard thing is that's who I was surrounded by. And so, yeah, it was food growing up was like, so, you know, it was a lot of fun stuff, you know, so it was different. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Cause that, you know, it was very prevalent in my family as well. Uh, just like the whole diet culture, uh, eating disorders. And, and so I was, I remember being like, Oh, I'm the lucky one because I was an athlete. And I just felt like I get to eat whatever I want. I don't have to worry about until it became a problem. And it was, I never thought it would happen to me until it did. Um, so, but, but a lot of those, uh, you know, a lot of the conversations around food, a lot of those things were just kind of baked into my subconscious. And then it became, kind of, you know, a real problem that, that had to be addressed. So, um, you left the the treatment center and you said you found CrossFit and that was kind of like a big turning point for kind of, you know, getting out of some of that food control mindset. So tell me, you know, how, first of all, how did you find CrossFit? How did you come across it? And then what were some of like the big turning points for you or some of the light bulb moments that were like, okay, I have to think about my nutrition and training a little bit differently. Yeah, this is so awesome for me because it kind of actually goes into your why I'm really excited about taking your neurotyping seminar too is because I think we all have a personality, right? And and so for me, I've always been an athlete. I've always been like this high intensity person. I came out of I came out of treatment. They're like, 
you shouldn't go back to the gym. Like you should do like hiking and yoga. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. That's just not going to do it for me. So I started running and I was like, this is getting obsessive. I was already feeling like I can run 30 minutes. I'm going to run 40 minutes. If I could run 40 minutes, like, and I could just find that I was finding something else to control. And there was actually a martial arts studio that my brother was going to. And I was like, well, maybe I'll get into some, you know, mixed martial arts and jujitsu or whatever. And there was a CrossFit gym right next to that place. And so my dad had went to drop us off one day and he's like, Hey, have you seen that CrossFit gym? And I said, I don't even know what that is, you know? So I like went over there and I talked to the owner and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I looked at the website. It was like front squat one, 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 one. I'm like, they're going to do one front squat. Like that's dumb. Like I was so like not into it. And then I walked in and I, and I was like, I guess I'll try a workout. And I freaking loved it. Like I just loved my first workout that I'm like, Oh, this is exactly what I needed. And and my coach at the time was a Brazilian guy. And he's like, you're going to go to the CrossFit games. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what's the CrossFit games? I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm an athlete again. Like, so um, once I started learning that there was something I could compete in, I'm like, I want to get good at that. And, and that became the new thing for me. I was like, I went and got my CrossFit level one seminar or certification. Um, and they go over a lot of nutrition protocols that were very different from what I was taught at treatment and very different from what I had done in the past where it was not quantitative at all. It was all qualitative. And I was like, Oh, this, this sounds kind of cool. Like I'm going to go into this then, which we can talk about how that went into another bad scenario for me. But, um, but that was like, my new focus was like, I want to compete in CrossFit. And that became a purpose for me. I, I did my very first CrossFit competition three months into CrossFit about five months out of treatment at a hundred pounds. And I got my ass handed to me because I was the smallest one on the field. So I was like, I guess I want to eat because I want to look like them and I want to perform like them. And all the women of CrossFit just inspired me. And it became motivation for me not to be small anymore, um, but to actually eat, to be able to, to perform and live a different way. Yeah, I honestly think that that's probably the greatest gift that CrossFit gave to like society as a whole, like you know, more so the fitness community, but it is more and more mainstream. Um, although over like current recent years, maybe not so much anymore, but uh, when, when CrossFit was like the big thing, uh, I think that just giving women permission to, you know, look a certain way to perform a certain way. And it was not about just being smaller. It was, you know, which is, which has been the narrative for however long, you know, in our current society, it's been the narrative for so long, decades, years. It's, and it's, you know, kind of giving that permission to, Hey, being strong is actually something to be proud of. And you can perform well and you can eat to, you know, to fuel that performance and, and, you know, all these things that I feel like that is like the, the greatest gift that CrossFit gave to the fitness community as a whole, um, or really, you know, and really society in general, because it does kind of, you know, fly in the face of what we typically think of or what the, the diet industry message has always been, which is like, take up less space, be smaller, don't eat so much. And, um, so I feel like that was the real positive. And then on the flip side of that, there's, there's the negative side, which is like, CrossFit and and paleo kind of went hand in hand. And then yeah. there was like this whole low carb movement in CrossFit, which didn't make a lot of sense. And then we started seeing more of like the um, kind of, like you mentioned, alluded to like the orthorexia. That was very much what happened to me. It's interesting. I went from like the the quantitative approach, which was just calories are all that matter. And I was like, can, you know, severely restricting calories. And then 
I discovered, I did, did a challenge at my gym. It was all about quality. It was all like, these are the foods that you can eat and these are the foods that you can't eat. And then I became obsessed with quote unquote clean eating. Um, so did you notice like a shift at all? Did you fall into like the low carb camp? Did you, uh, you know, as you were trying to like build up strength and, and compete, uh, did you start to have any issues around that with, from a nutrition side? Yeah. Um, it, it actually worked to my advantage, not, not in a healthy way. And looking back at this now, I feel like this also goes into personality is, um, being somebody that had spent six, seven years controlling how much I ate and being told eat as much of these foods as you want, but, and you're not going to gain weight or you're not going to get fat because it's, you know, learning about, fat is a hormonally neutral. So it doesn't get sort of like all of this stuff that I was researching about these paleo diets and, and zoning and stuff like that. Um, I kind of went in the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, Oh, I can have as much protein as I want. It don't matter because it's protein and it's healthy. So I ended up putting on weight like fast. Um, it was causing honestly more of, I went from being very restrictive into almost, I don't want to call it a binge, but into that like binge mentality of like, I'm going to eat as much as I want. I've been starving myself for six years. I'm giving myself permission to eat because these foods are healthy. Um, and it did, it ended up kind of sparking this, like, I'm not going to have a cookie. I'm going to have a whole jar of almond butter. Like that started to become my new problem. And that problem, believe it or not, like it, it went on for quite a few years. My athletic performance though, continued to skyrocket because I was eating enough calories. I was honestly probably getting in enough carbohydrates because I was eating a ton of fruit. I was eating a ton of sweet potatoes. I was eating a ton of like just, but I wasn't eating any carbs from like rice, no sweet potato. No, I'm sorry, no rice, no breads, no pastas, no yogurt, no oatmeal. I took all those things out of my diet and I was gaining weight. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I gaining weight now? I, I, I like had convinced myself that quantity didn't matter, that it was just quality that mattered. And I was like trying to find every excuse in the book to not have to go back to controlling my calories again. And, and that was where it kind of went into the negative. And it's, it's honestly something that I deal with now with a lot of my nutrition clients that come from that. I'm like, you're eating way too much fat. And I know that because that's what I was doing. I was having four eggs, a banana, peanut butter, almond butter, all for breakfast. So I'm like, okay, there's 40 grams of fat in breakfast. There's probably another hundred at lunch. You know, it's just, it was going off in the other direction. So yeah. Do you still feel like that narrative is is prevalent in the CrossFit community that, you know, go low carb and only eat these foods and, and very much still in, in, in line with the paleo type of approach? Is that still pretty common? Yes, it's bad. It's bad. There's this new keto for CrossFit movement. It's and it's like, it's not that I, I don't have anything against dieting protocols that are applied appropriately, but for most people that are going to CrossFit, they're going at 5.30 AM or they're going at 5.30 PM after working a very stressful nine to five, probably sleeping six, seven hours a night, trying to take care of three kids. And a lot of them are on the go, you know, they living on a ketogenic diet is not working. And for some of them, it's that same mentality as well. Oh, I can have as much heavy cream as I want, as long as I don't have a banana. Like it's, it's that mentality of like, it's always this all in or all out where it's not, where's just the fine line of finding how to eat healthy, how to balance out some of those things and see results better, you know? So it's, it's huge in the CrossFit community. Um, you know, even, I don't think it's as much in the competitive space of CrossFit anymore, 
But in the general, yes, even on crossfit.com, you know, you'll see keto for this or keto this. And it's like, you know, and I keep using that word, but that's because that's what they've really been pushing a lot of. And it's, it's hard. It's one of the things I'm really passionate about trying to help. You know, I've been fortunate now to have a couple of gym owners reach out to me recently about like, Hey, you know, you're working with a couple of my clients. What do you do? Like, you know, and introducing them to Jason and, and, you know, kind of getting them more education on, on how to build a more sustainable approach. And, you know, from going from that paleo, going back into getting more dialed in with my nutrition again, and I can kind of go into that. It's like, I'm in such a better place now. Like I don't binge on anything. I don't, I don't restrict a cookie. I don't have too much almond butter and teaching people that, Hey, like I've experienced what you have. I know how that felt. I know I also didn't trust myself with food for a long time and I finally feel like I can. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, so I want to talk about how you ended up at that place of, of balance and, and being able to, you know, like shift that paradigm for yourself. But I think it's crazy that like the most glycolytic demanding carbohydrate demanding sport got paired with low carb protocols, like, like paleo, like keto. Um, I don't understand how that started or why it, it continued to, uh, it seems like it, it went more extreme, like started starting out with paleo and then moving to keto for CrossFit that just, um, there, there's a mismatch there. But, uh, I, I think that, you know, what you're doing in, in educating, especially, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of CrossFit athletes that you coach, um, and helping them to, to be able to fuel that performance, recover more effectively, manage the daily stress. Because like you mentioned, there's a lot of other stressors that require carbohydrates in terms of like just everyday life stress. And then if you're more active, if you have kids, if you are trying to keep up with, you know, family life, work life, workouts, all of that. Um, so what was the turning point for you where you realized like, you know, okay, this, this, uh, quality approach where I'm, you know, downing a, a jar of almond butter is, is not really the most effective. Um, did you like, what was that turning point to eventually find the balanced approach that you have now? You know, it's, it was honestly, I had spent about a year um, actually I worked, uh, with somebody, I had a friend who was actually part of a company that I think you used to work for. And she was a member at the gym that I was at. And, um, she started talking about like, you're not eating enough carbs. Like, this is why you're binging on these foods. And, um, I was like really hesitant on trying to up my carbs and do these things and get back into this controlled thing. So I started by just trying to eat more carbs and adding in some of those foods again, but it honestly came down to night. And I mentioned this to a lot of my, like people that I talked to is like, it just came down to one day waking up just like I did when I was 19 years old and saying like, I'm not comfortable anymore. I don't like how I look in the mirror anymore. Like I'm, I'm losing, like, I, I feel like an athlete, but I don't look like everybody else. I, I feel heavy, like, and I'm strong. Don't get me wrong. I was strong, but like, I'm like, I know I could be a little bit leaner. And I know that like, I, and it was mostly that behavior that I was tired of this, like, Cause I was trying to do like zone paleo for a little while where I would like be dialed in quote unquote during the week. But I was still like, cause that would be like, you would just add more fat. So I'd be like, I'll just have an extra two tablespoons of peanut butter or whatever. When I stopped trying to just find these like restrictive ways of doing it, I'm like, all right, let me just actually just track my food and, and see how much I'm eating. And then like, kind of like make sure I'm getting enough protein and stuff. I started to feel better within like two weeks. It like took me like two weeks to do like, and I started to see results and I started to feel better in the gym. And I started to realize like that, and I was adding in foods again. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I just felt better overall, but it really came down to that one day, just like realizing like, it's time to change again. Like it's time to kind of shift. And, uh, 
I, I think, you know, it's, it, I did it for a little while without coaching. And when I started to kind of get a little bit too lean and I felt like my performance was kind of going the other way, I reached out to uh, another games athlete um, who was working with Jason at the time. And she recommended him as a nutrition coach. And that was the best thing ever because now like, I'm like, listen, I, I know I'm eating, but like, I don't feel like I'm eating enough. Like I don't really know what to do. And he really helped me out with the performance nutrition staying in a body that I felt comfortable with and also performing well and eating enough and all that kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's important to have that conversation that like, we're both coaches, we both have coaches and really it's like, we're so subjective with our own bodies. And that's like what I always come back to about myself. People are usually surprised when I say I have a coach. I'm like, look, I'm aware of my own tendencies. I know how I am. I know my mindset. I know my personality. Um, all of that is, you know, enough for me to say I need to offload this and have somebody who's objective, who will not let me get away with things that I'll let myself get away with because I'm so subjective with my own body. And like, and then, you know, kind of what you mentioned about just like waking up one day and being like, you know what, I need to make a change. I always came back to the fact that it was like, if this was going to work, it probably would have worked by now. And sometimes it took me longer than others to get that message home because I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to go into this like other restrictive diet or I'm going to try it in like a different format. And it's it's like, you know, 1200 calories. It's like the meal plan. That's essentially 1200 calories. Right. But it's then just waking up and being like, you know what, if this was going to work, it probably would have worked by now. Um, So talk about like when you realized you were good enough to compete in the CrossFit games and like what that experience was like, um, did it take you um, was it like the the nutritional advantage from being able to get rid of the restrictive mindset and like how that played a role in your ability to get to the, like the elite level? Um, I'm curious to hear about that experience. You know, I've been very fortunate um, being an athlete. I, I made it to the CrossFit Games a year after I started CrossFit. Like I basically, um, the first competition I went to, it like just lit a fire under my ass. Like I'm the kind of person, like if I, if I have a goal, like I'm going to go for it. And so that year when, you know, my coach was like, we were going to train you for the CrossFit games. I'm like, we're doing it. And I just put the work in. I just started training, training, training. The next year was the very first year they had the CrossFit games open and I qualified uh, for regionals. And I remember like, I can get goosebumps right now. I remember my first, you know, my very first workout, the last workout of the weekend was a overhead walking lunge to the finish line. And I just remember like the announcer yelling, here's Cheryl Nasso punching her card to Carson. And I'm like, walking across the finish line. I'm like, boom, awesome. And, uh, it really, that was the first year, but that was also when I, like my life changed and nothing else mattered, but CrossFit. It was like, all I cared about was competing and training. And like, I literally lived as a roommate for 10 years of my life in whatever house I could find where I could train and sleep and eat and just do nothing but CrossFit. I coached CrossFit. I I did personal training. I did everything, but it was mostly for the sole purpose of like, if I'm at the gym, I can work out at the gym. Like that was my main thing is like keeping everything in one spot so that I could keep myself in the gym to get my training in. And that's really, I just went all in. I I was very relentless. And if I didn't know how to do something, I was going to learn how to do it, you know, finding coaches that could help me. And, and that was really my thing. I I was fortunate enough to live up in uh, CrossFit New England in Boston for about four years, I got a, a ton of resources up there uh, between Reebok being right around the corner, between, you know, the different, you know, people that I met at, Cross, at CrossFit New England, the training environment, 
Um, I think environment played a huge role in my success over the years because having those people to push me, you know, um, really helped me just continue to keep growing and, and all that kinds of stuff. So it was awesome. It's been awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad that you painted that picture and provided the context of what it took and the amount of hours that you put in and just like fully dedicating your life to the sport. Cause I think sometimes, uh, it, it can come across as something that's just like, okay, well, I'm kind of like a casual CrossFitter. Uh, and, and there's like this, this big gap that exists. And I learned that, you know, being an athlete myself, when it was like, every time I thought I reached the next level, I realized that there was a next level that was way better than I could ever be. Um, so I had to learn that lesson the hard way, but there's, but I also wasn't committed to that point. Like I, I got a scholarship offer to play tennis in college. And um, it was the fact that I wasn't so passionate that I could envision myself just like jumping in and only playing tennis. And that would be my life. And that was where I was like, you know what, this is, if I'm not going to do that, then there's no reason for me to pursue it. So sometimes um, we have these like grand visions of, oh, it's going to be all great. I'm going to be this like CrossFit games athlete, but understanding the commitment, uh, the amount of hours um, just to like provide a little bit more context. What was your training regiment? Like yeah. How many hours were you training? Like, what did that all look like? It's funny because I made a post earlier today and I wrote, what's the first thing you think about when you wake up and what's the first thing you, or the last thing you think about before you go to bed? That was me for years, every single minute of my life. It wasn't the training. The training would probably be about four hours, you know, between a morning session, afternoon session, but it was between that. Like it was knowing that Saturday night I wasn't going out to drink because I needed to be able to sleep in on Sunday morning. It was it was knowing that like everything I did was going to affect my training. And if it was going to affect it in a negative way, I was selfish. Like I wasn't going to do it. You know, like, um, it was, it was, I wouldn't take on too much work. I would, I would limit my amount of work. I would, I would make just enough money to make me feel like I could compete and be happy because, you know, that was the, the biggest sacrifice I find is, and it wasn't really even a sacrifice because I didn't hate my life. I loved my life. I loved everything about it. But for some people that don't enjoy training, they're going to see that as a sacrifice. You know, all of my friends were doing the same thing as me. So we had the same habits. Um, but that's, it really just, it literally just consumed my entire life. I, everything I did, every dime I spent was usually on massages and stuff like that to feel better. Um, you know, my sleep was, I, so when I did coach, I was coaching of, I was coaching the 5.30 AM class and the 6.30 AM class. So I was in bed by 7.30 PM. Cause I'm like, I gotta be asleep by eight o'clock so I can get up by 4.30. And you know, I, like that was my life. Like I was just so unbelievably regimented and it just, once again, plays in my personality. That's just who I am. Like I'm very structured and when I'm structured, I know that I'm most productive. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm curious how the transition went for you mentally going from Cheryl Nasso, CrossFit Games athlete, competitive, uh, you know, CrossFitter to Cheryl Nasso, business owner, nutrition coach. Um, was there overlap in the like competitive drive? Was it a difficult thing to kind of pivot from, uh, you know, being in the games every year to like, okay, now I have this other area of my life that I'm really passionate about that I want to grow and, and nurture? What was that transition like? It's crazy because uh, I think that's what came out of COVID for me. COVID was a huge wake up call for me. Um, you know, uh, so 2019 was my last year at the games and um, 2020 was COVID actually 2019, but 
um, beginning of the year, I was still, well, 2019, I actually left my gym job. I still had a, a coaching job, um, and went all in full-time nutrition coaching, but I was still, I had just got my first apartment for first own, my first own apartment at 35 years old and, you know, trying to live an adult life. And, um, but that, that COVID situation, I, I just had so many people that were reaching out to me for like, it wasn't even just nutrition. It was like, all of a sudden I was connecting people that were like losing their jobs and, and, you know, just for trying to keep themselves together and like taking care of themselves. And I found myself getting so like that, that thought of like the last thing you go to bed thinking about, or the first thing wasn't, it was shifting away from like, how fast am I going to get these row intervals done? Or, you know, how many pull-ups am I doing in a row? Or am I going to be able to hit that lift today? it became more about like, oh, I've got to check in with this person. Oh, I've got to do that. Oh, I've got to make sure this is taken care of. I've got to, like, my focus started to get pulled in other directions. And it was really hard. It was it was hard because what would happen is I'd go to the gym and I'd have a shitty session and I'd be like, oh, this sucks. I suck. And like, all of a sudden my whole day sucks. And I had, I went, I went through a lot of tears. I, I walked, I'd go to the gym crying, like, Oh my gosh, I'm losing this. And it, and it was hard because I felt like I'd only been an athlete for so long. And if I can say there's one thing that I would not recommend is wrapping up your whole life in one thing, right? Like definitely one thing, but like not, if you're not going to be that person forever, like, no, there's going to come an end. And I think that I definitely wrapped up so much of my identity in that um, because it gave me so many things that were positive, right? Like getting over an eating disorder, like finding better purpose. And it was hard to let it go because I didn't want any of that stuff to come back. And, and that's what made it so hard for me to let it go. But what I've learned is over this past, you know, I guess 12 months or so is I don't have to be competitive to be an athlete and I can maybe pull back some of that focus and fill it with things that are actually fulfilling me more. And, and the, the same feelings I was getting when I would PR a workout I'm getting from like seeing somebody else get better results and seeing things grow in other areas of my life. And so that's been huge for me is I feel like I'm filling my life with more purpose. That's not just in like this one Avenue of like, okay, like we exercise for time. Like, you know, I'm not putting anything aside from being a CrossFit athlete because I'm very proud of everything I have. But at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, like, you know, I've talked to some clients about this recently. It's like, guys, your double underscore is not worth it. If you're not going to walk for five days, cause you've got plantar fasciitis. It's the same thing for me. Like me not putting up a top score in a workout isn't going to define me as a person, but me feeling fulfilled as a person by what I do in this world is bigger for me. So that's kind of what has helped me a lot. And believe it or not, because right before COVID, I was kind of like burned out from training too much and spending 10, 11 of your years of your life doing nothing but that it takes its toll. And I think finally in the past, maybe three months or so, I actually am finding that I'm enjoying CrossFit more again, because I'm not as focused on the the goal of like, if I compete, great. If I don't, it's okay. I'm still enjoying what I do. I'm still getting fitter. Just compared my score to 2017 to 2021, it's better. So it's like, I'm still making improvements. And so it's just not with the same focus. Yeah. And I love that. Those are such powerful takeaways. And and a lot of athletes struggle with that. A lot of professional athletes have been open and, and vocal about losing their identity after sports, after their career is over and they retire. And then it's like, well, if I'm not this person, 
you know, as the, the athlete, then who am I? And, uh, they, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, just depression and anxiety and, and just kind of like lack of purpose, like you mentioned. Um, and, and typically, you know, you see there's like this period and I'm, I follow sports, you know, pretty religiously. So, you know, you see like this transition period after like the first five years, usually, and then the athlete will kind of get back into some coaching role or they're, they'll get involved in some other way that kind of, you know, fulfills that purpose of, okay, now I can actually pay it forward and take these lessons, um, which is, is like, you know, amazing that you were able to, to find that, you know, so quickly uh, and apply it right away and, and like not delay, like you have the gift to give to other people who are in that same position and you can help with, you know, a more balanced approach, help them avoid some of the same mistakes that you made, um, which I think is amazing. Uh, so it's funny. Have you taken the, the neurotype test by any chance? I actually did. And I don't remember my, my stuff now. I, I, think I can almost guarantee. <laughs> so um, I can almost guarantee that you're a dominant 1B and a secondary type 3. That would be my guess. Um, yeah. I can almost guarantee it, but I'd be curious. I, I actually, I have to send you my thing because I know I, I did recently take it because okay. I was curious about that. I, I forget what it was though. Yeah, I want like, to think it was two actually. Now I'm like going to pull my phone up and look at it, but I think it was two. Okay, I'm I have to double check. So the the like CrossFitter, you know, competitive, goal oriented athlete type of personality is very one B. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also sense that you're very structured and regimented and like to be organized, and that's very yeah. type three. So I would. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong because I, I right. looked at it like, oh, actually, it made when I write, I'm like, this makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what, what have you noticed in terms of like your own training and nutrition now, because you're still, you still perform, you know, you still, uh, work out hard. You, you still are super fit. Like, have you noticed just that you're a little bit more balanced? It's not like, what have you noticed as like, you're not competing in the games, but you're still, you know, pretty, you know, at, I would say at an elite level, um, has there been any sort of transition or is it kind of just more of the same? Well, here's what I feel like is different is, and and it's funny because I'm kind of like working on kind of, I want people to understand, like you can have performance and aesthetics. You just might not be all in on one or the other, um, is I'm actually still getting fitter. And I think that even if I'm not competing, I'm still going to train with the goal of like, if I can do 10 muscle ups, I want to be able to do 11. If I can back squat 275, I want to back squat 280, but knowing the difference between, I don't have to do that today. Like, I don't have to have this pressure that I have a competition uh, two weeks from now that I have to be peaked for. So if that doesn't happen for six months, you know, that's okay. If I've got a shoulder injury and I'm getting ready for a competition, I'm going to like, eh, let's put some, you know, extra icy hot on it and take some Advil and go to the gym. Whereas now I'm like the smarter athlete. I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't be doing that movement. So I feel like I'm smarter and that is going to help me actually just continue to get fitter, whether that gets me to a competitive level or not is going to not really matter to me because at the end of the day, like I, I thought about this when I was also thinking about my segue out of competing is whether or not I compete or not, I want to be able to do those workouts. Like I want to be able to say that if a workout's put up for the CrossFit Games uh, in in July and it's like this weight with these movements that I can perform that workout in my gym. 
whether it's a competitive time or not, I will go say, I can do those movements and I can do them well. And so I'm always going to have that achievement. And obviously as we get older, there's going to be things that don't go as well, unfortunately, but, um, but that's really where my mindset is now is that I, I always want to achieve better. I'm, I'm a very goal oriented person and it's probably why I'll always do some form of CrossFit because I do like the metric of, of that improvement, not just, not just in weightlifting, but in the other things too. Like I like seeing my mile time go down. I, I like being able to do pull-ups and I like being able to walk on my hands and stuff like that too. So seeing those things get better and improve gives me a sense of fulfillment. So yeah, I love, I love that mindset just in general. So um, I'm curious what your take is on like the future of CrossFit or like how it's evolved over the years and where it stands now and where you see it going. Um, because you know, CrossFit was like, there was just massive boom. Um, it became super popular and then kind of got into like a messy situation at HQ and, and just like some, some of the stuff, the, the culture around that. And, and now, uh, we've seen a drop off in, and, and obviously COVID played a role in that, but there was a drop off in just like the, you know, games, uh, viewership and all of that. So where do you see, CrossFit going where, how do you like kind of, what's your take on, on just the pulse of the sport and, and community in general? I think that it's hard because I feel like the biggest thing is that people that don't do CrossFit, they see the CrossFit games. And I think that what CrossFit I'm hoping that the new owner is trying to do is really differentiate between, um, the CrossFit games as a sport and CrossFit for fitness and health. Um, But I feel like what really happened is with the old owner, he was almost going, I think that CrossFit, the original owner has a really good mindset of like, he sees that there's an obesity epidemic. He sees there's a lot of very overweight people, very sick people. That's where I think the ketogenic paleo diet came in because he was looking for some, you know, way for these people that are like on the couch, not doing anything to get into a gym and get fit. Like, just like, let's just get you moving. Let's get you doing something. Do they need to be doing thrusters and pull-ups as fast as possible? Probably not, but, but he knew what he wanted to do. So I think that the marketing of CrossFit needs to figure out what they actually want to provide for people. And until they do that, like nobody's going to really understand it. And it's going to end up falling. I, I'm going to be honest, it's going to end up doing something. It's going to have to there's going to be some kind of a branch off somewhere because there's just too many different things. And and since the new owner has taken over that, that side of things has gone down a little bit. Whereas for a while they were putting up like people that were like 70 years old, like lifting broomsticks, like, but your CrossFit doing, you know, thrusters and handstand walking, like it was so divided. So um, I think that they need to kind of niche down on what exactly is they're trying to provide for the community and then what the sport, how that separates and is differentiated. Uh, And I think that the biggest thing that I've seen in in CrossFit as as an athlete that's went through my own evolution of nutrition is that there is no nutritional advice through the CrossFit brand that is congruent with living a balanced, moderate life or the extremes of that. And so that I think is a side of things that I'm trying to get into on my own is, um, just kind of being more of that, that platform for people. Uh, because I can remember even at the gym that I was at up in Boston, uh, across the new England is I used to run challenges there all the, I was the nutrition coach. So I was always running paleo challenges or whatever. And one of the last ones I, I did, I was like, it was when I had just went through my own transition. I'm like, I got this idea for a challenge. And I was like, I want to do the first 30 days quality focused. 
and they'll have like a Tupperware and like, they'll have like protein, carbs and fats, but it's not like very quantitative yet. And then they'll go into like more of a macro approach and they'll like figure things out. And then, and then from there, they'll go into like a, a flexible, like segueing out of like the strict rigidity into like more of a flexible thing. And he's like, that's not going to work because people are only going to be like wanting to do it for 30 days. And I'm like, but that's, we don't want 30 days. Like we want longevity. Right. So I think that if CrossFit can find a way to do that, they're going to be golden, you know, or they need to just stay in their lane and just do the fitness aspect of things and niche down on that. So, but yeah, I I can't, I couldn't agree more, especially in the separation of like CrossFit, the sport versus like CrossFit as a training modality or exercise. Like it's, there's, there's a big difference between like the recreational side of it versus the competitive side of it. Um, and, and the nutrition hundred percent agree. I think that the reason why, uh, you know, having you as, as a coach and as a resource is so important because you've been there and you understand what's actually needed and how to make it more of a balanced approach, how to make it more of a lifestyle and not get so caught up in either end of the extremes, which I think is really what CrossFit, CrossFit attracts, you know, people that are competitive, that do have that like addictive personality. So there is more uh, tendency to like extremely control food or extremely restrict, or think about like, I want to get you know, super shredded while I'm competing at the highest level. And there's like this, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this, this clash of goals. So, uh, you know, having somebody like you is, is, you know, invaluable to the space. And I think that you're right. CrossFit will have to kind of make a decision, uh, and, and what they want to be. And, and hopefully it will be for the positive, but we'll just have to see how that all plays out. Um, yeah. I'm curious, like what, what has you excited in your own personal journey? Like, what are you looking forward to, um, it, it could be business related. It could be personal. It could be fitness, just something that you've got coming up that you're excited about in, in, you know, 2021. Oh yeah. So just really niching down on my own, my own ideal client and kind of like getting that. And it's obviously CrossFit. Um, so right now I'm working on performance-based aesthetics because of, uh, my own experience with CrossFit is, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of person, like I'll get bored if I go to a regular gym and do like, you know, just like three sets of eight lunges. And th- I just like, doesn't buy like I just don't I do that stuff, but I need that, that CrossFit thing. So for me, um, once again, kind of going into the CrossFit model is a lot of it's based off of like a short, intense workout. And you know, you and I both know as, as trainers that some people don't ever hit that level of intensity because they don't even understand what that feels like, and they shouldn't be for some people. And that a lot of times that amount of volume, a five minute workout, if a person's going to sit behind a desk between eight and five and then drive in a car is not enough. So what I want to create is um, getting people to understand a body composition and physique and health that they can achieve that allows them to live their best life, perform well, like a badass in the gym, get fitter, see results, get build muscle, but also eat enough. So, you know, my method is always going to be like, you guys, people should be eating to support training and also lifestyle. And, and that's really what I want to be branding and kind of putting out there for people. So I'm kind of trying to build this like performance-based aesthetics program for people that is going to allow them to achieve levels of fitness measurable, um, and showing how you can measure fitness and nutrition together to see the best results. Like that's going to be my thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, all that come to fruition, uh, for everybody who's listening and wants to follow along, um, tell everyone where they can connect with you, how they can follow you and, and stay up to date on everything that you're doing. I'm probably most asked that most active on Instagram. So Cheryl Nasso, uh, Facebook, I got a Facebook group. 
Um, and that's pretty much the main place on oh, my podcast, inner athlete podcast. So, um, I have my inner athlete podcast. I want people to learn how to find their inner athlete. And that's what usually my podcast is talking about. So yeah. perfect. I will post the links in the show notes. What's the Facebook group name? Uh, more than macros. Okay. Love it. Love it. So it's, we got the mind over macros. We got more than macros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. yeah. That's probably going to end up becoming performance-based aesthetics. As I said, always an evolution, but um, that's what it's been for the while, for a while now. All right. Very cool. Well, I appreciate your time and, and just sharing your journey. This was super valuable for me and I'm sure for everybody listening as well. Um, and I know that we'll stay connected and, and we'll see each other soon. And uh, I'm excited for you to, to take the certification. It'll be fun. Awesome. I'm excited too. So thank you so much. Yep. Take care. We'll talk soon.